The son of Jehu chose to pursue evil instead of choosing God. And as a result of that, Israel fell. That's right. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembrick. And I'm Janice. Now, Israel was a program dedicated to God, a, a, a nation dedicated to God. And when he chooses to pursue evil instead of God, things go wrong. We'll study that in about five minutes. Corey is coming up with Ryan in about 20 minutes. Corey? I'm going to be taking a look at the symbolism and use of clothing in the ancient world. Ryan? All right. Well, as promised, today I'm continuing my study on 2 Kings 2, where Elisha heals the waters of Jericho. All right. Very good. We're studying 2 Kings 13 in a moment. But right now, Janice, what did you do? Today I want to talk about the mercy of God. All right. Very good. The mercy of God. That's great. Now let's open up our Bibles and look at what God has told us and what he's saying to us today. Good morning. If you're watching for your devotions and good evening, if you're watching for your devotions, but we need to study this. Second Kings 13, 1 through 9. In the twenty-third year of Joash, the son of Ahaziah, king of Judah, Jehoahaz, the son of Jehu, became king over Israel in Samaria and reigned seventeen years. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord and followed the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who had made Israel sin. He did not depart from them. Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel, and he delivered them into the hand of Haziel, king of Syria, and into the hand of Ben-Hadad, the son of Haziel, all their days. So Jehoahaz pleaded with the Lord, and the Lord listened to him, for he saw the oppression of Israel because the king of Syria oppressed them. Then the Lord gave Israel a deliverer, so that they escaped from under the hand of the Syrians. And the children of Israel dwelt in their tents as before. Nevertheless, they did not depart from the sins of the house of Jeroboam, who had made Israel sin, but walked in them. And the wooden image also remained in Samaria." For he left of the army of Jehoahaz only fifty horsemen, ten chariots, and ten thousand foot soldiers. For the king of Syria had destroyed them and made them like the dust at threshing. Now the rest of the acts of Jehoahaz, all that he did, and his might, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Israel? So Jehoahaz rested with his fathers, and they buried him in Samaria. Then Joash, his son, reigned in his place. 2 Kings chapter 13, verses 1 through 9. There are four chapters today, 2 Kings 13, 14, 15, and 16, four chapters that we're going to read as we go through the Bible. As 2 Kings progresses, we continue to see God attempting to move Israel and her kings and her people into obedience. All the time this is happening, we see evidence that the Lord is true and kind. Now remember what Psalm 117 verse 2 says, For His mercy, His merciful kindness is great towards us, and the truth of the Lord endures forever. 
Well, despite Israel's continued rejection of God's purpose for them and continued violations of their covenant with him, God continued to be available. The people just needed to reach out to God. We see this principle at work when Jehoiahaz, the son of Jehu, became king of Israel. Though he chose evil, he properly responded to the loss of power and territory that resulted. Now, it was very difficult, a difficult time really, for the nation as God was showing them the results of their choices. Now, God shows us the results of our choices. And if you don't believe me, take a look around. You can see that. Now, take your Bible guide and turn to today's passage as the sting of sin is what we study today in 2 Kings chapter 13. And let me just say, if you don't have your Bible guide, I want to strongly recommend that you get a hold of yours as it takes you through this book, this book that is very relevant today. And the Bible guide is very important. You can call us or write to us and let me say thank you for your donations. They are very important right now, especially. And uh, we are behind, but that's okay. We have to pray and ask the Lord to help us. So thank you so much for giving and being faithful. And I understand that we're in inflation. There's lots of things going on, but God has a way. Father, help us today to understand what your way is in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you go to Bible Discovery TV, uh, you can also go to uh, the webpage and click it there. It has the Bible guide on it. It takes you to a page where you can download it exactly how we printed it. Today, as we look at the sting of sin, let's pray. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you would help us to see what you have said, not to read into the Bible, but to read from the Bible into our hearts. Help us, Lord, to hear that today as we study the Bible and how it speaks to us, your ways and your paths. In the name of Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach, Lord above all, and we all said together, amen. All right. 2 Kings 13. This is a great passage. Look at it. It's interesting. In the 20th year, the 23rd year of Joash, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, Jehoiahaz, the son of Jehu, became king over Israel in Samaria and reigned 17 years. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord, and he followed the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who had made Israel sin. He did not depart from them. Then the, the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel, and he delivered them into the hand of Hazel, king of Syria, and into the hand of Ben-Hadad, the son of Hazel, all their days. Now, this is interesting. Listen carefully. Jehoiahaz, the son of Jehu, he chose to pursue evil in his life. And Israel fell into Syria. Do you see the results of that? God does not reward evil no matter what. We must repent, beloved. God does not reward evil. When I say repent, I mean we have to come back to God and say, Lord, we are sorry for our sins. Please forgive us. And we have to physically turn around. We have to change our attitudes and follow God. Very important, beloved, and that's what Israel needed to do. They needed to change their attitudes. They needed to follow God. 
All right, so let's learn what happens in 2 Kings chapter 13, verse 4. So Jehoiahaz pleaded with the Lord. Now notice that. He pleaded with the Lord. And you know what? The Lord listened to him. For he saw the oppression of Israel because the king of Syria oppressed them. And then the Lord gave Israel a deliverer. So they escaped from under the hand of the Syrians, and the children of Israel dwelt in their tents as before. Nevertheless, this is important, they did not depart from the sins of the house of Jeroboam, who had made Israel sin, but walked in those sins. And the wooden image also remained in Samaria. For he left the army of Jehoahaz only 50 horsemen, 10 chariots, 10,000 foot soldiers, for the king of Syria had destroyed them and made them like the dust at threshing. This is very important. Jehoahaz cried out to God when Israel was oppressed and God delivered them. He cried out to God. God still offers forgiveness and help when we repent and turn to him. His forgiveness is important. His help is critical. But we have to turn to God. We have to turn around, beloved. Change our ways. Change our way of thinking. Change our way of doing. And we have to begin to do things his way in our lives, personally. It's not the politicians or this person or that. It's us. We have to do that. And then God changes the way things are around us. Now, that's not what Israel did. It's very, very critical that we must do that today. Now, listen to 2 Kings chapter 13, beginning with verse 8. It says, Now the rest of the acts of Jehoahaz, all that he did, and his might, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Israel? So Jehoahaz rested with his fathers, and they buried him in Samaria. Then Joash, his son, reigned in his place. Now, this is absolutely fascinating. I want you to keep this in mind. Jehoiahaz learned the sting of not following the Lord. He understood that. He felt it. Now listen, sin gets us into all sorts of trouble, and it is a painful thing. And if you ever thought about this, this is the time to think about this, because guess what? Our countries are in a whole whack of trouble. And the feelings that we feel and the damage that we sense and the weather that we are aware of and the earthquakes and everything else that, we're, that are taking place, the wars, is the result of sin. Bottom line, and I will say that, I will tell you that, that's from the day one in the Bible. But if we come back to God and we say, Lord, help us, then we will see the Lord give us ideas. We will see the Lord move on our hearts. We will see the Lord change us, beloved. This is so important. If we repent, if we say, Lord, forgive us of our sin, help us. And we come to God and we repent and say, Lord, you are the Lord. There is no other Lord except you. Personally, if you and I do that personally, then we will change. And that's what I say when I, when I encourage people to come to Jesus Christ. Come to Jesus Christ now. Change your life. Make things different. Say, Lord, forgive me of my sin. I believe you died on the cross and rose again. Come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' wonderful name, we said together, amen. 
this character of King Saul, this historical figure. Now, I think it's probably fair to say that most of us, when we think of King Saul, we think of the bad guy foil to King David. But an entire book of the Bible is also dedicated to mostly his reign. Of course, that's 1 Samuel. So I'm really excited to jump into it today and see what we can learn about Saul. So as we're reading through this time period of the kings of Israel and Judah, off and on, we get cultural references. Uh, and, and some of these cultural references are just taken for granted in the scripture that, that you understand what's going on. Uh, but, but we don't always, we're not always paying attention to these, these cultural details that would have been understood naturally by the original audience that Second Kings was written to. And one of these issues that I think is so interesting to dive into, because it's not just here in the Kings, it's actually throughout all of scripture. And that is this, um, the, the use of clothing uh, within the scripture. So take a look at this. Clothing has always been an important part of the human experience and its symbolic use in the Bible is powerful, though not always explained. From discovered tablets in a few ancient cities, scholars have translated cultural attitudes toward clothing that can be helpful in proper biblical understanding. Mesopotamian documents stress the importance of the hem of garments. The hem was more than a practical reinforcement of an outfit. It was decorated and matched the person's life status, rank, and social standing. In Mesopotamian culture, it was considered an extension of the person themselves. Therefore, any alterations or damages to the hem were important. For example, in pagan rituals of exorcism, pieces of the hem would be cut off and rituals done to them as if it were the person themselves. Pagan prophets of Mari would send small pieces of their hem to the king as a personal guarantee of their prophecy. And as the final act in Mesopotamian divorce, the husband would remove the hem of his wife, removing her status as married into his household. In the Bible, Israelites were commanded to add tassels to their hems that incorporated a single blue thread. These tassels, with their streak of expensive ancient color, were to remind of the status of Israelites as covenant people. There are also several instances of the hem of garments being removed in the Bible. In 1 Samuel 15, Saul tears the hem of the prophet and priest Samuel. Samuel then tells Saul that God has likewise ripped the kingdom away from Saul. As you have ripped my identity, God has torn away yours. In 1 Samuel 24, David chooses to cut a piece of Saul's kingly hem in order to prove that he's not murderous. But once he does it, he's overcome with guilt. David will not try to take Saul's life nor his kingship as represented by the hem of his garment. Clothing as a whole also signified status and position. Take, for example, how only the priests were to wear linen ephods, or how a person's shoe could represent their responsibility in legal matters. Akkadian tablets from the 13th century record an instance of divorce between a king and his queen. Their son, the crowned prince, may also leave with his mother and forfeit his status as next in line to the king. If he leaves, he must remove his clothing and place it on the throne. His clothing is tied to his role as crown prince. 
In the Saul and David narratives, the first kings of Israel, this same concept is present. After Saul is decommissioned as king by God, Saul literally disrobes and falls before Samuel. This also helps explain the covenant between Israel's crown prince, Jonathan, and David. Jonathan disrobes and gives his clothing and armor to David, supporting David as the new crowned prince of Israel. You know, clothing has always been a really interesting part of the scripture. I mean, right at the beginning of, of the scriptures, you know, the Bible is claiming that the one of the earliest human experiences is the need to be clothed by God because of human failure and fault. So this is, you know, right at the beginning of the scriptures, we get this very interesting image of clothing and what that means uh, as protection. And it continues on throughout the scripture. And it's going to become really important in the New Testament as well as things kind of come back to uh, this, this paradise that was lost in the Garden of Eden, this communion with God. Because things have changed since the clothing was presented by God to Adam and Eve. Uh, it's, it's gone through a, a number of different generations of different kinds of people. We're talking thousands of years. And now the clothing is different. And so we get to the New Testament and that's going to be a thousand years from the time we're talking about now. That's going to be very interesting. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Corey. Very good, Ryan. All right. Well, I know that today's assigned reading is 2 Kings chapters 13 to 16, but as I promised on yesterday's program, I'm going to be continuing my study on 2 Kings chapter 2. And it's in this chapter that Elisha is called upon to heal the bad waters of Jericho, which was causing barrenness of some kind. Interestingly, Elisha requests a new jar filled with salt that he dumps into the water at its source. And through the power of God, the water is revitalized. Now, on yesterday's program, we talked a lot about the physical problems that Jericho was having. But today, I want to focus on the larger spiritual aspect, because what happened that day is, I believe, a picture of the whole world. Check it out. Shortly after Elijah had been taken up to heaven, his understudy, Elisha, was quickly called upon by the citizens of Jericho to come heal their waters. Because although by all outward appearances the city was a pleasant place to live, on the inside there was barrenness because the water was bad, possibly a result of the divine curse placed upon Jericho many years earlier in the conquest of Joshua. Whatever the case, to revitalize the water, Elisha orders a new jar full of salt be brought to him, which he then pours in at the water's source. Though this restoration was clearly supernatural, there still were physical acts and objects used in its accomplishment. And, as is so often the case in scripture, this performance seems to paint a vivid picture of an even greater spiritual reality. For example, the city of Jericho could symbolize the whole world, which is also under God's curse of death. This is a curse only God can lift by his plan of salvation, as revealed in the word of God. Mankind and Satan offer substitutes, of course, such as human philosophies, religious systems, and materialistic solutions, which may sometimes be pleasant, but are all ultimately, and very literally, dead ends. We also find great significance in the bad water. In the Bible, water is used symbolically for the word of God and for salvation and eternal life, which God offers humankind through faith in his Son. In John 4, 10-15, Jesus speaks metaphorically of his salvation as living water and as a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And two times in Jeremiah, God is metaphorically identified as the spring of living water. 
And in both passages, Israel is rebuked for having forsaken the Lord for other cisterns that could in no way satisfy their thirst. Thus, the bad water represents life without God, which is no life at all. The jar or vessel also plays an important role and seems to represent believers since they're portrayed in scripture as merely earthen vessels containing the treasure of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Furthermore, Elisha requested a new jar which might symbolize the believer as a regenerated new person and new creation of God. But the most significant symbol of all is the salt. In the Old Testament, no sacrifice was to be made without salt. It was the salt that made the offering or sacrifice acceptable because the salt spoke of God's covenant to save us through the person and work of Jesus Christ poured out for us. Thus, the salt represents the very essence of Christ. Just as Jericho was delivered from its lifeless and doomed state by turning to the living Lord, so too can the world. But unfortunately, much of the world doesn't know the one true God, which is why it is critical for the believers as vessels of light to be full of the salt of God's Spirit and pour out the good news of Jesus Christ. So as you can see, this image of Elisha throwing the salt into the water from a new vessel seems to be symbolic of what our mission as believers is. We as Christians are the new vessels which contain the salt of the Spirit, the salt of the good news of Jesus Christ. And as per our Lord's instructions, we are to spread that gospel to the ends of the earth. Like Elisha, we need to dump that salt into the world's water supply, because when we do that, the dead will come to life. But we have to realize that it isn't us that's giving the life, we're merely the vessel. It's the salt, the spirit of Jesus Christ within us, which brings life. Is it any coincidence then that Jesus calls his followers the salt of the earth? I don't think so. Yeah, you know, it's important for us to remember that it's Jesus Christ, it's the Lord. Uh, who affects the world through our presentation as human beings. And we need to remember that. It's That's not right. us. We don't do the saving. Yeah, it's Jesus not us. does that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, through television and media and everything else, we believe that in this, it's us, but it's not us. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really important. Janice? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Yes. That saved a wretch like me. What a great song. The amazing mercy and grace of God is something that is really indescribable. And I hope that you can feel, can hear from each one of us here at Bible Discovery, um, the absolute awe that we have for the redeeming, atoning power of God, of Jesus Christ in our lives, because he truly brings change. And none of us have arrived yet. We're still a work in progress. But thank God that we have him as our commander, as our leader, and that we can follow him, give our life, dedicate our life to him so that he can work on our hearts and our minds to be able to understand how he wants us to live. It's so very, very important. And we're so glad that you're watching this program today and learning with us as we go through God's precious and wonderful word. You know, Jehoahaz cried out to God. We learn here in uh, verse four of 2 Kings 13. So Jehoahaz pleaded with the Lord. You know what? The Bible says the Lord listened to him, 
for he saw the oppression of Israel because the king of Syria oppressed them. And right in the next verse, we see the mercy of God. The mercy of God. Then the Lord gave Israel a deliverer so that they escaped from under the hand of the Syrians and the children of Israel dwelt in their tents as before. I wish it ended there and that we could see how God's people came back then in the mercy that God had extended to them. But right in the next verse, it starts with the the word, nevertheless. Nevertheless, they did not depart from the sins of the house of Jeroboam, who had made Israel sin, but walked in them. And the wooden image also remained in Samaria. So they still, after what God had delivered them from, after seeing God's mercy on their lives, they still chose disobedience. They still chose to worship after another God. That is heartbreaking, and yet I can't point my finger and say, oh, terrible, terrible you, because quite often, don't we? We're still human beings with human natures that rebel against God. And this walk of life that we choose, when we understand what God has done through his son, Jesus Christ, and the atonement that we can receive, and the gift of eternal life that's extended to us, That commitment is a lifelong, daily commitment to get God's word into our hearts and into our minds, but not just to stay there. But as Ryan talked about, you know, Jesus said, we're the salt of the earth. We need to make that difference. We need to be that reflection of who Jesus is. We have all seen, those of us who have given and committed our lives to the Lord Jesus Christ, we have seen the mercy of God. We have felt that amazing grace. Let us never forget that. Always make sure that our lives are in alignment with his. And oh yes, we're going to make mistakes. And that mercy of God is right there. But we have to stay humble and repentant before God, knowing that we're not God. He is and he has the direction for our lives. He has the plan for our lives, but we have to make sure that we have his plan and move forward. Let me introduce you a new program called Roku. I've had it for many years. Roku is a little box you get at Walmart or wherever you want to get it. And it's a one-time buy and you can download all kinds of channels. One of the channels you can download is BD Family and Friends. Bible Discovery Family and Friends or BD Family and Friends. And you can watch us every day. Now today we pray and say, Lord, help us to become aware of how your word changes and how your word says things that are different in this world. 